Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, I have the honor and privilege of actually introducing my mom to come and speak today. I know some of you, and if you're new here, you can be like, really? You're having your mom speak? Well, so yes, we are. My mom is um, ahead of our prayer team here at the church. Um, But most importantly, she watches our children for us on Sundays. So why my child is screaming in the nursery right now is because Yaya is out here preaching. Um, But I I, I have to give credit to my mom for a lot of things, and I don't have time to do all of it. But my mom has been preaching since the day that I know. When when my dad and her husband walked out uh, when I was one years old, I knew nothing but a woman that knew how to pray. Um, I knew scriptures on prayer, but I didn't know who Bugs Bunny was. Um, so um, anytime my grandparents would say things, I'd point at them and tell them a scripture, and my grandmother would roll her eyes and think, what has happened here? So I always knew my mom taught me to be a giver. Um, she, I, I remember I was very young, and a woman came to our door and handed her groceries. And I remember my mom picking through the groceries and then making another bag. And I said, who's this for? She said, we're going to take some of these to somebody else because somebblessed us. We're going to be a blessing. And I've lived my life that way. And it was very interesting. And I, I showed up to Bible school at 17 years old because I graduated early. And they had a class on how to defend that uh, women were allowed to preach. And I remember sitting there and saying, this has ever been a problem? Because I grew up in a household where my mom preached with my, my dad that she married when I was five all the time. So I did not know that people had issues with women preaching. I didn't even know that was a thing. So I went to this class and I'm like, people really read this scripture this way and assume this, even though the rest of the Bible, the same men that said this scripture here are actually giving other women the mic in other places, but it was just for this church. I'm not going to go into all that, but if you really study the Bible, you'll see that what was being said in that thing was not for all. It was for that town in that church at that time. So I grew up not knowing anything differently. So I am who I am today because of her. So I'm honored uh, that she gets to preach here this morning. So sit back. We have your timer going for you. So I won't take up any more time. I already took a minute. So thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You took 10 minutes of my time. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk fast. You think Alicia talks fast. The apple did not fall too far from the tree. So it is really good to be here today. It is really good to be in this sanctuary, in this auditorium, and get to stay here through the whole entire service. Because it's very rare that I get to sit through an entire service in the auditorium. Because a lot of times, Anaya will make it through, what, 10 10 minutes in the class? Yeah. And then I go and I rescue her and I take her to the nursing mother's room and we sit there and we watch the rest of the service together. So most of y'all, that's how you know me. You know me as the one who's walking around with that cute little baby on my hip all the time. And I love my role as Yaya. I love my role as mom. As most of you know, I have four daughters that attend this church. And I'll tell you what, we have an amazing family relationship now. And I say the word now because there was a time when it wasn't so amazing, right? And I'm not going to air all of our dirty laundry because I know you don't want to hear that, right? Or some of you do. (laughs) Whoa, what kind of church is this anyways, right? Well, 
you probably have heard some of it, but I'm just here to tell you that we are living in the reality that I chose when everything was not okay. And I stood on a promise of God, and I let God do the work in me that he needed to do in me, because God knows he needed to do a lot of work in me. But I held on to a promise of God that brought me to this place where today I'm living in northwest Arkansas, which I never thought I'd do. I'm living next door to Alicia and Brian and Jay and Anaya and Kat. You know Alicia and Brian live in Kat's attic, right? Okay, yeah. So I live next door to all of them, and it's wonderful. I mean, I love my life. I love, listen, people, I'm single. I've been single now 12 years. My husband went to heaven 12 years ago this month. And I can say today with absolutely zero reservation, I'm happily single. Okay? I, 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 I went most of my life being happy married, happily married. And when my husband exited this world and went to live in heaven, I was not a happily single woman. Okay? That's part of the drama that went on in our family. And like I said, I won't air all our dirty laundry. I may give you a little snippets here and there as we go along. But today I want to start by reading the scripture to you and talking to you about becoming a promise reaper. Now we know about God being a promise keeper, but what do you know about becoming a promise reaper? right? Because the word of God is full of promises. In fact, if you'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, this is what Paul said. He said, for all the promises of God in him, speaking of in Christ, are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. That's a nice little scripture and everybody's like, oh yeah, the promises of God are yes and amen. But let's read this same scripture in the Message Bible. This is what it says in the Message Bible. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. Yes, God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. Now that sheds a little bit different light on the promises of God, right? Jesus has already stamped the promises of God with his great big yes. And now our part is to put our yes with his yes so that it can then become evident in our life that we are walking in the promises of God. Because I'll tell you something, the promises of God are not automatic for every believer. They're not. You just look at the promise of salvation. Jesus went to the cross. He died for all, right? Are all saved? No. Oh, come on. There should be a louder no than that. Okay. All are not saved. What, what causes a person to become born again is they hear the truth. They're presented with this promise of salvation that if they believe and if they receive, they can experience eternal life, right? And it is that believing, that agreement that they come into with the word of God that brings salvation into their spirit. And then they're recreated. And that's how you and I get born again. Well, I'll tell you something. All the rest of the promises of God are the same. They're not automatic. They're, they're obtained by our believing what God says is true in spite of what our external world may tell us. 
The promises of God aren't maybe so or I'll let you know. As far as God's concerned, the promises are all yes. Okay? They're yes. All right? And there's a lot of promises in the word of God. The the promise that you have the mind of Christ. God says, yes, you can have the mind of Christ. The wisdom of God belongs to you in Jesus. Yes, wisdom is yours. Okay? Healing belongs to you. Prosperity belongs to you. Peace belongs to you. The love of God belongs to you. All of these are promises of God. Okay? That belong to us. But if you look around in the body of Christ, there are varying stages of belief among each and every person in the family of God to the degree that they believe the promise is the degree to which they're living in it. We don't always believe that the promises are ours. And today, I just want to focus on one scripture, one promise that I had zero belief in when I read it, even though I'd read it probably dozens of times before, there was a day when a scripture was highlighted to me because God wanted to invite me into believing something about me that was true that I had not yet believed was true about me. Are y'all ready for it? Okay. Before we go to the scripture, let me tell you this. We had a lot of stuff going on in our family, and I was doing a lot of things that were destructive to my own heart. You know, when your husband passes away and you've, you know, spent 26 years with somebody, there are some things that'll happen um, in your own heart, in your own mind that can kind of mess you up, okay? And I'm not making excuses for my behavior. I'm just going to tell you that when my husband exited to heaven, I did not know how to live as a single woman, My norm was being somebody's wife, being somebody's helpmate, okay? So all of a sudden, I wake up one day, and I'm nobody's helpmate. I'm nobody's wife. I'm nobody's uh, partner in ministry. You know, all the years that we were in ministry, we got married in 1984, and we went into ministry the day we got married. (laughs) The minister that my husband worked for, okay, we were in Hawaii. We actually got married in Kona, Hawaii, and we, we flew to Hawaii to do a meeting to, to work the book table for the minister he worked for. And then after the meeting was over, we got married in the courtyard of this hotel. And after the wedding was over, the minister blessed us and sent us on our way. Just like that. We went from him working for another minister to now, we are now in full-time ministry. Go find a booking. Go find a church to preach in. Like, that was, that was the reality that we lived in, okay? And so, there were some things that happened, okay, in my life that set me on a course for believing that my life was to be spent supporting another man's vision, doing what it was that he wanted to do in ministry. If he said, we're going to go to the Carolinas, and we are going to put up a tent, and we're going to stay there for six months and help people after the hurricane, guess what we did? We packed up our house, we took our kids, we went to North Carolina, and that's what we did. I mean, that was, that was Alicia's existence, going and traveling, especially those first, you know, maybe 10 years of her life. After I started having more babies, I kind of stayed home a little bit and, you know, didn't do as much traveling. But that was the path that I was on. So when Angelo left, 
I was left with a void in my life. And that void that was in my life led me to a belief. And this belief of my heart drove my behavior, all right? So let's turn right now into Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to tell you right now that I'm not preaching on marriage, but we're going to go to Ephesians 5 because I'm going to share some scriptures with you to tell you, to give you some background so you understand why I was such a mess. So in verse 25, it says, husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean and washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. And no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we're members of his body. And as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So here Paul is writing to the church, and he's describing this amazing marriage relationship between a husband and a wife, and he's talking about it's kind of like this thing that goes on with the church, you know, how you're one with Christ. In marriage, you're one. So I had a belief of my heart based on this scripture that my husband and I were one. Okay, that's a good belief to have, isn't it? Married people. Okay. You're individuals, okay, but you're united as one. But here's where that belief of my heart got a little twisted in me and led me to believe something that drove me to a place of almost destroying my own life. See, because I believed that when he went to heaven, I'm a half looking for another half to make me whole. Now, can you see how that scripture there, you know, affected my heart in such a way that then if that's the belief of my heart, guess what I'm going to be on the path to doing? Trying to find somebody to complete me. And you know what? Let me just say this right here. Don't ever use that phrase, you know, you complete me. Okay? Your husband, your wife, they don't complete you, okay? That, I mean, really, two halves put together don't really make a whole. They just make for a dysfunctional relationship, okay? All right. <laughs> I felt a sense of lack, and that sense of lack was what drove my behavior. Now, I don't know, some of y'all might be psychology, you know, buffs. You may know some things about coaching or whatever. And there's a, there's a model, a, a self-coaching method model called C-T-F-A-R. And this is kind of how it goes. There are, there are things that happen to us, and those are circumstances. That's the C, okay? Circumstances are neutral. They're just things that happen. So in my life... The circumstance was, my husband died and went to heaven. That's just a neutral circumstance. It's something that happened. But what I attached to that circumstance are my thoughts. So what did I think when my husband went to heaven? I thought, oh my gosh, I'm alone. 
I don't want to be alone. I've got to change this. So that's the T. Then the F is the feelings. And guess what follows the thoughts of the mind? Are the feelings that you have, all the emotions, right? I felt sadness because I was alone. I, I felt like this isn't fair. Like, I don't like this. I liked being married. I liked being married. I liked doing all the things that married people do, okay? So I had these feelings that were then present in my life. And guess what feelings do? Feelings drive your actions, okay? So guess what my actions were? Oh, yeah. Start looking around. <laughs> Get on eHarmony. Oh, yeah. Tell all your friends, hey, you know anybody? All right. That was kind of like my thing for a while. I know my kids were so embarrassed of their mom. But you know what? We got over it, didn't we? we and, and we're good now, aren't we? We're all good. Okay. I think we're all good now. But anyways. Um, and then... After that action, there is a result, okay? So that's the C-T-F-A-R, right? And I'm here to tell you today that I could have looked at my circumstance and had a completely different thought that would have generated completely different emotions or feelings that would have driven me to completely different actions and we would have had a completely different result. Now, I can't change what I did. Okay, I can't. Thank God for redemption, right? Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God for his grace and his mercy and kids that will forgive you. <laughs> but I'm just telling you today that when it comes to the promises of God, all right, we have to look at things that are in our external world as though they, they are circumstances. And the thoughts that we're going to attach to those circumstances need to be thoughts that are going to be in line with the word of God. You know, this is why the Apostle Paul talks so much about renewing the mind. Why? Because your mind, your thoughts, the things that you think about, the things that you concentrate on, the things that you spend all your time dreaming about, thinking about, meditating on, they are going to drive your actions because you're going to have feelings about them. Okay? And, and I can remember, you know, I, uh, I was... A part of the movement, okay, we call it the Word of Faith movement, whatever, back in the 80s when, you know, I got real, you know, excited about ministry and Angela got in ministry. And we used to always think, say things like, you know, don't be moved by what you feel. That's, that's a nice little cliche, but guess what? Most people can't do that. We are moved by what we feel. So if you're feeling something that you know is going to drive some negative behavior, you need to start thinking something differently. You've got to get your focus on something else. Because a sense of lack will always lead you to sin. That's what caused Eve to sin, okay? A sense of lack. I, I don't have something that God said she had. She already had everything she needed. She didn't need anything else, okay? She had already been given a relationship with God. She had a relationship. She did not need to have more knowledge of good and evil. She knew good. Why would you need to know evil? Right? But anyways, so being broken and bruised, it drove my destructive behavior, okay? Um, but God brought this truth into my life that turned my life around. And this is where I want us to go right now to Colossians chapter 2. 
And I want us to read these scriptures in verses 9 and 10. This is what it says, Paul. I love Paul. He said, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Now think about that. In Christ lives all the fullness of God. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit live in Jesus. All the fullness of God lives in him. Now, I believed that when I read that scripture. That's not hard to believe. I can, I can grab hold of that, the Trinity, God being one and all that. You know, Alicia was describing to Jay the other day, you know, the whole concept of the egg, you know, with the shell and the yolk and all that, right? And they're all called an egg, but they've got different parts and everything. So I, I got that. But then Paul said something. And he said, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who's the head over every ruler and authority. Now, being a student of the word of God most of my adult life, I believed the word of God. I believed that the word was powerful. It's living. I believed it is, you know, inspired and all of that. But I'm going to tell you that when that day I read that scripture and I was in the middle of a very dysfunctional relationship with the man I had been dating. Okay, let's just leave it at that. (laughs) Dysfunctional is, is putting it lightly. Okay, because it caused so much chaos, not only in my heart, in my life, but it spilled over into my family. And I mean, there were just things that were just not right about it, okay? And, and I was driven, though, into this relationship from my sense of lack. I, I, I didn't like being single. I hated everything about it. I hated getting up in the morning alone. I hated spending my days alone. I hated going to bed at night alone. I hated eating alone. I hated going to church alone. I never, ever, ever would go to a restaurant or a movie by myself. I just didn't like doing things alone. I'm an extrovert. I get energized by being around people. I was raised in a family with seven kids. I got married at 18. I, I left... I left high school, did six months at a junior college, had a roommate, never lived alone, had a roommate, got married at 18, moved to Germany, had Alicia at 21. Until I was 53 years old, I had never lived alone a day in my life. So that was the state of my heart when this scripture was presented to me. (laughs) For you are complete. Complete in Christ? That seemed foreign to me. Paul, yeah, Paul's complete in Christ. The church at Colossae, yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all are complete. But me? No. I didn't believe that about me. And yet, that was a promise of God. I felt I was lacking, okay? And This is what I decided to do. I had learned a little bit about biblical meditation and changing the beliefs of our heart and exchanging wrong beliefs for right beliefs and everything. So I decided, and and listen to this. This is a decision I made, okay? It was a decision I made to believe the word of God even though nothing in my external world 
was going to back this up for a while. I decided to believe I was complete in Christ. That's what God said, that I was complete in Christ and I was lacking nothing. And when I began this journey, my heart actually believed that I was broken and bruised and I wasn't going to be okay and that if I gave up this quest to get married, that somehow I was going to be at a deficit. I was going to be without. And I didn't want to be without. I didn't think it was fair. I didn't, you know, my life was fine being married, okay? I didn't choose to be single at that point in time. That wasn't my choice. It was, it was put on me. So I had a lot of things going on in my heart that were, mm, let's just say they were not good. So I had uh, that scripture and then Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I took that scripture and that scripture in Colossians 2 and I put them together and I wrote out a declaration that I decided was going to be something I was going to meditate on until it became my reality. So what I did is I took those two scriptures, I put them together, and I wrote this out. I am complete in Christ. I am lacking nothing. Now, when I presented that to my heart as evidence of what was true about me and Jesus, my heart said, you're a liar. You know you don't believe that. Well, you're thinking right now, oh, yeah, so I broke off this relationship, but guess what? I'm thinking about the next one. And I would tell my heart, you know what? I know where I've been. I know where I am today, but I'm not staying here. I decided that I was going to believe the promise of God in spite of whatever was going on in my external world. I didn't let what was happening out there determine what I was going to believe in here. It's kind of like, you know, in a, in a court of law, right? You've got this defendant who's been charged with this crime, and you've got this prosecuting attorney who's here to put all the evidence in front of the jury to tell everybody this person's guilty, and then you have the defendant's attorney who's going to try to persuade the jury that this person is not guilty. Well, if the prosecuting attorney gets up and gets to say all of his stuff first and the jury is listening to it, they might come to the conclusion, guilty, 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 guilty. But then, what if there is new evidence that's brought forth by the defendant's attorney that changes the minds of the jurors? That jury might then come back and say, not guilty, right? Well, your heart is like that jury. Your heart is waiting to hear the evidence that you're going to present to it. So you can look at your external world and you can say to yourself, my life is messed up. I'm never going to be happy again. I'm miserable. And this is how I'm going to have to live the rest of my life. Or you can take a promise of God, like this one in Colossians, and you could say, you know what, heart? This is what's true about me and Jesus. I'm complete in Christ. I'm lacking nothing. And you keep giving that evidence to your heart. And here's, here's the process that I took. And I'm going to tell you here. <laughs> it didn't happen like overnight. This was, this was like a long journey. 
I I didn't even give my first point, did I? You know what my first point is? Beliefs of your heart always drive your behavior. That's a good point, isn't it? I don't know how I skipped over that. But it is. The beliefs of your heart drive your behavior. And if you don't like the behavior that you're seeing, you've got to change the beliefs of your heart. So how do you change the beliefs of your heart? You've got to give your heart evidence of something that's true about you and Jesus so that you can experience a different life. What I was experiencing was causing me to live on an emotional roller coaster. You ever been on one? Oh, my gosh. I'm talking about up one day and down the next and up one day and down the next. And, and your life is driven by everything that's going on in your external world. Things are going good. You're happy one day there. Okay, somebody says something and it hurts you and you got down here. And then you're back up here and you're down there. That's no way to live, church. Okay. Today, I'm, I'm pretty stable emotionally, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not perfect close but no 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 but I found a way to live from the core of who I am in Jesus and not allow everything that's going on in my external world to move me okay and those those emotions that we have that drive our behavior and take us down these roads that are really destructive, all of those you can bring in check, okay? Don't, don't ever tell me, I can't. I can't stop thinking about this. I can't stop feeling this way. Oh, yes, you can, whatever you look at. Whatever you look at, that's what your heart says you want more of. So if you keep looking at the negative, looking at the negative, rehearsing the negative, rehearsing the negative, your heart goes, oh my gosh, this is what she wants. Let's give her more. You know, have you ever wondered how a woman can be in five destructive relationships with narcissists? And she'll go in a room with a hundred men and one of them in there is a narcissist and she will attract to herself that one man. Why is that? Because that's what her heart is sending out signals and vibes. I'm the kind of person that you can run over. You can control me. You can, you can gaslight me. Go ahead. Let's get in a relationship. Okay? Well, what's happening there? The beliefs of your heart are, are, are also going to send out signals to the world around you. And you know what? When you become emotionally stable and you're, you're secure in Christ, people can try to shake you and you'll just be like, whatever. You know, there are, there are not too many things that will actually, like, shake me and disrupt me. Why? Because I found a place of stability in Jesus. All right. Whatever point two is, throw it up there because it disappeared from my notes. All right. God's word exposes our thoughts and reveals the divide between soul and spirit. See, I knew it was there somewhere. God's word is sharp and powerful. Do we have Hebrews 4? You know, throw that? Yeah. It disappeared off my notes. So let's put up that scripture up there, and I'll just read it from here. The word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, okay? It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. See, the word of God exposes 
exposed some stuff in me. The word that I read exposed to me that I was looking for somebody else to complete me. And God's word said, no, you don't need somebody else to complete you. You are complete in me. And when I began to meditate on that and think about it, this is what I did. I began to imagine, what would my life look like? How would I feel? How would the quality of my life be different if I actually believed I am complete in Christ and I am lacking nothing? Well, after this tragic breakup, and it was tragic for me, okay, because I really wanted this man to marry me, but he wasn't on the same page with me. (laughs) My kids. I'm not going to air it all, but we're just enough, okay, to give you a little bit of a backstory, okay? But there was this belief of my heart that said, I'm not going to be happy unless I'm married, but this guy, you are not good for me. Like, I finally realized it. Everybody else saw it for a long, long time. (laughs) Took me a while. (laughs) Red flags waving. (laughs) What red flag, right? Okay. We do that. We convince ourselves. It's okay. You know, I'll change him. I'll change me. I'll change us. Whatever right? It it didn't happen. So after this tragic breakup, I probably went, I don't know, 10 days without really eating a meal. And this is why. Because prior to the breakup, I was cooking for this guy. I was having him over for dinner. We were watching Hallmark movies together. It was so like warm and cozy. Okay. All right, I, I was just like, oh, oh, oh. Well, then I saw the destruction. I saw where it was headed. I put an end to it, and I said, I'm not going to cook for myself. I don't like to cook for one person. I'm just, I'm gonna, I'll drink smoothies a couple of times a day. And I think I did for a week or 10 days, just drink smoothies, maybe have a little tuna salad, something like that, but I didn't cook. And I didn't watch any Hallmark movies. You know why? Because I hated watching movies by myself. I hated it. So one day, as I was meditating on this scripture, I'm complete in Christ, I'm lacking nothing, trying to imagine my life. What would my life be like if I actually believed this was true about me? Because I didn't believe it was true about me. I heard the Lord say to me, what would you do differently today if you really believed this was true? What would you do different? And I thought, well... (laughs) I know exactly what I do. If I believed this was true, that I could be complete without having a man, I'd go buy those fillets. I'd buy some veggies. I'd get some strawberries and blueberries and some whipping cream. I'd come home. I'd marinate the steaks. I'd marinate those veggies. I'd cut up that fruit. I'd grill that steak. I'd grill those veggies. And I would take that plate of delicious food and I would sit in front of the TV and I would watch myself a Hallmark movie. That's what I'd do. And then there was silence. And I just felt like that, I dare you to do it kind of thing, you know? I dare you to do it. Well, you just don't dare me to do things like that because I'm just like... Now I got to do it. So I did. I got in my car and I went to the grocery store and I bought the steaks and the veggies and the fruit and everything. Came home, did the whole thing, sat down, watched my Hallmark movie, paused it when I wanted to. 
Nobody tell me, don't pause it right now. No, I paused it when I wanted to. Got up, got my fruit, came back with my fruit, with my whipped cream, sat down, ate my dessert while I'm watching this Hallmark movie. And then I stopped and I paused it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is good. Like my soul said to me, look, you can do this. You can do this. You're complete. You're not lacking anything. You don't need a man here to eat a steak. You don't need a man here to watch a Hallmark movie. You can watch any Hallmark movie you want to watch when you're alone. Okay? My heart experienced something that day that let me know that the word of God that is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword had cut through and divided soul from spirit. got a number three. Oh yeah, my third point. Here it is. Believing the truth when you have believed a lie is going to take work and it's going to take time. So how long did I work on that revelation <laughs> becoming my reality? Months that turned into years. Okay. I'm finally at this place where like on a scale of 1 to 10, when I started at a 0, believing that was true about me, I'm probably like at a 9. That I'm completing Christ and I'm lacking nothing. I'm doing things today that I would never have done before. Because I would have thought, I need a man to do this. I need a man to do that. And every once in a while, I still call on that man there, my son-in-law. <laughs> he fixed my hot water heater for me last night. I didn't have time to check it myself because I was going next door to watch the kids for a couple of hours. So when I realized that it was not producing hot water, I was washing the last dish before I was going next door. And so that's why I didn't check it myself. But, you know, because the first question was, did you check the breaker? No, I didn't check the breaker. I came over to your house to watch your girls and give your girls a bath so you could sit in your bedroom and relax. Usually on Saturday nights, I bring them to my house, and that, that, all that's done at my house. But because I was preaching this morning, they said, we'll keep the girls, and you can sleep all night without an interruption. It was great. It was kind of weird, though, waking up today. Like, I haven't even seen Anaya yet, right? What? Is she screaming? Oh, 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 okay. I'll get her. I'll get her. I'll get her in just a minute. But here's how I want to wrap this up, okay? Your circumstances do not have to determine the quality of life that you live. A lot of my circumstances for many years were not good. You know, losing your husband of 26 years to colon cancer, that's no fun. Having your girls move out. And being an empty nester before you thought that was going to be your reality, that was no fun. Not that I blame them because mom, mom was just a little strange for a while, but that's okay. Finding myself in $19,000 worth of credit card debt a couple of years ago, that was no fun. But you know what? Everything that's happened in my life that's been 
a result of something that happened in my external world, even if they were things that I caused because of my decisions and my behavior. I mean, nobody put me in debt but me. Okay, I took personal responsibility, but what I did is I took a promise of God in Deuteronomy 8:18 that it's the you know the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you the power to get wealth to establish His covenant with you here on this earth. I took that scripture and I did the same meditative process. What would I look like? What would I feel like if this was true about me? And I ended up getting a part-time job. That job led to an invitation to go work for the billionaires that live in our city, that have the big W store. Yeah. I, I cleaned their houses for four weeks during COVID and threw eight grand on my debt in one month. Boom. See, I began the process of believing I was wealthy before I had any money. I was in debt. $19,000 credit card debt. I got it paid off in about eight months, I think it was. All kinds of things happen. Doors that opened for me to do things that generated income that allowed me to pay off debt. Now I'm building my savings, okay? But I took a scripture and I presented it to my heart and I gave my heart the evidence of who I really was in Jesus, a promise that belonged to me in God. And I didn't say, well, this is my reality. I'm just going to, you know, it's going to take me 19 years to pay off $19,000 worth of debt. No, I didn't want to accept that as my reality. I told my heart, we're doing this. I'm a wealthy woman. This is who I am. There's not a promise of God in his word that you can't take and meditate on and turn it into a first person, present tense, positive declaration and watch it transform your life from the inside out. There's, God is good. Stand up with me right now. I don't know where you are today and what you believe to be true about you and Jesus and whether you're struggling with feeling incomplete, that you need something, that you're not enough. But whatever it is, any belief of your heart that's inconsistent with who you are in Jesus can be changed. You've just got to give your heart the evidence it needs, okay, to change you from the inside out so that you begin to attract to yourself all of those things that will cause that to be a reality. So right now, I want you to close your eyes. And the first thing I want to address right now is if there's anybody here today and you've actually not made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, I don't want you to leave this place. I don't want you to go out this door not having the assurance of your salvation. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, I need Jesus in my life. I need him to be Lord and Savior. I want you to raise your hand. I just want to pray with you if there's anybody here. Anybody at all. Thank you, Jesus. All right, keeping your heads bowed right now. Here's what I want you to do to reflect on what you heard today. If you know that as you read the word of God and you hear people talk about the promises of God, like the Bible says you're healed, but you're dealing with sickness in your body. 
The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, but you struggle with depression. If you hear people say, the Bible says that God meets all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, but you have debt. You live paycheck to paycheck or maybe not even enough. I want you to get honest today, internally, and just admit to the Lord, I need help. I need help believing that you are who you say that you are and that I am who you say that I am. You can admit your unbelief and your doubt and your fear and your worry. It's okay. But tell your own heart that today you're choosing to believe the truth. Today you're choosing. Father, every person that's here today, every person that's hearing this message, I know you're drawing them unto yourself. I know that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are affirming to them not their mistakes, not where they've messed up, not where they're bound and bruised, but Father, I know that you are calling them higher, that you are breathing that fresh wind today into their heart and you're telling them you're enough you're complete in me and you're lacking nothing and so father as we close up this service and as we walk out this door I thank you that we walk out each and every one of us with a renewed sense of I am a child of God and all that God has promised in his word belongs to me now. Whether I feel it, whether I see it, whether it's my reality today or not, I'm choosing to believe this is mine. And I thank you, Father, that you're going to complete the work that you've begun in every heart today. And for that, I give you thanks and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.